Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Overclock Podcast, the podcast that comes to you in three segments of varying times at this stage. It used to be seven, then it was five, and now we just try and keep it as short as possible. Ta-da! <laughs> I'm joined as always by Gavin Dudley, editor of Tech Magazine, Tech Luminary of the South African Market. Luminary is another word for old. Oh, right. <laughs> the elder statesman of... Yeah. <laughs> Gavin, how are you doing? Good, thank you. It's good to be back. Ah, Gavin, oh, so much to go over. But firstly, let me just stop this right here and say, I have an issue with our president using an old iPad. Okay, we don't have a problem with our president per se, but our president is using an old iPad. I, I mean, I'm how many people do you think would be able to identify the iPad with the fraction of a second glance that you got at it? <laughs> oh, you must be one of like only two people I know. You and Brendan Peterson are the only people who would recognize it on site but as an old model. But there he was, rolling with an outdated iPad Pro. People get older, they want stuff to just work the way it always worked. They don't want to be migrated to the latest and greatest. They just want to go with what works. Who can blame them? But then he was not only using the old iPad to like do his thing. I mean, there's like a, a, a millionaire, a billionaire. Billionaire, And actually, the head yeah. of state. Like, should they have the latest thing? Like, or should actually... I still should, should no, but you know like how it is. iOS will have changed in bits and pieces. Something will have moved and it made his life more miserable. You know, it's like I, I older want, folks, I want, man. I older want, folks. I want my president to have the latest and No, latest. no, no. Okay, granted. So he I, wants the yeah. kids of South Africa to have the latest and greatest as well. Sure. So let me sure. tell you one thing. All right. So my daughter goes to a very, very progressive mm-hmm. primary school. Mm-hmm. Um, they use like a blended learning model. She spends about an hour in a learning lab per day doing like stuff on Chromebooks and all those mm-hmm. educational mm-hmm. Stuff. They just dropped one of the programs, Dragon Learn, because it was too easy for the kids. Right. Um, they then that data from that classroom gets moved into the actual maths and English curriculum, and it's like just data-driven. Yeah, I mean the, sort of the biggest challenge program. has been not the devices per se, but in actually adapting the curriculum to properly make of the devices yeah. or re- yeah. leverage the devices that's been much harder because that involves actually having the teachers having some savvy which is a whole change management process so so what is new learning style they are obviously um, trying to expand this into like a high school curriculum as yeah. well yeah. they have been in some cities yeah. in South Africa like Cape Town they've been in quite some markets mm. and they've not, uh, there are no plans to open a high school um, for the foreseeable to the future right right and Biggest problem that parents are having right now at the school and taking their kids out left, right, and center. Why? Um, not because we worry about the compatibility of this new age education system versus. Uh-huh. It's all caps aligned anyway. Uh-huh. Um, so it's completely compatible yeah, with yeah, yeah. normal oh, What are these parents? School. What are these um, parents' like, reservations? Oh, they don't do Afrikaans at the school, oh. and every other high school in like Cape Town does Afrikaans. So my kid might be at a, dis- at a disadvantage. So I'm gonna take him out now and talk about Afrikaans. And it's like, dude, the technological advances happening in the classrooms here are like second to none for the price. But um, but you don't think it is gonna be a little <laughs> awkward when your your daughter gets to grade six and has to start Afri- Afrikaans at the beginning? No, it's fine. We do like Afrikaans at home. Okay. It'll be fine. Kids will adapt. And the, the, the education system is changing now where they say dropping the first additional language. Yeah, yeah, it's true. In, yeah, in, in your daughter's lifetime, yeah. we might see that come to an end. Although I'm I'm quite pro Afrikaans generally. Yes, and yes, pro well. pro learning a new language in general, actually. I think learning a new language has got less to do with the language than how it wires your brain. Yeah, actually. I'm, I'm so fully, fully pro okay. Afrikaans. So I don't believe in taking away languages. 
the school my son's attended um, last year was, I think, one of the very first schools in the country to offer robotics and microelectronics um, to grade eights all the way up to matric. So this is an additional to the traditional IT degree, but one of my sons didn't excel that, which was programming and stuff like that. But then you can now do robotics and electronics, which I think is just superb. I mean, to offer both IT and electronics as two separate subjects to matric is quite extraordinary, yeah. I think. Yeah, so, so there's a lot of these promises of like every kid must have a tablet. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why is a tablet better than a printed book? Why is something that you have to keep safe? Firstly, kids don't probably go home with the thing mm. um, and be charged. Secondly, and how can you keep a charge if you don't even have electricity at home? Okay, although you can't argue with having it as a repository of information, all your textbooks constantly available, any supplementary reading, plus the internet. You know, I mean, it's hard to argue with having that kind of data available to you, even if it's only on slow school Wi-Fi and it has to work in an offline mode if you take it home or whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, having that, and, and you, you can see the problems we've had with textbook distribution, not to mention the costs of updating textbooks and all that. If we could have that done at nominal cost, I mean, wouldn't that be a big advance? That would be a big advantage, but then they obviously going to be bringing in quite cheap devices um, with low quality screens. And I mean, as a parent who knows my kids, my kids are quite small, my eldest is seven, most of them have a tablet that they get on weekends. Um, my daughter's been to the entire Khan Academy kids have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can see the impact on their development, like mental development, right. like the tasks that they can achieve in terms of like school. Yes, but I put it to you, sir, you're an elitist snob. You don't want any tablet, you want a superior tablet. But you are like a one percenter in that context in the South African no, education yeah. system. And then, like, there's a broader discussion here. Like, my iPad has suddenly become my, one of my most indispensable um, pieces of tech. Mm. Well, I put it to you in the first place, I don't want to go the iPad route. I don't, don't want to yes, go down a I, long I road on yes, this yes, issue. Yes, yes, yes. But I put it to you that I have. Uh, interviewed two different parties in Tech Magazine, the, the most recent of which we're busy doing at the moment, is a billion rand factory they've built in the Eastern Cape for an organization called Yakani, yeah. who are building the laptops and tablets for the South African education system. So we don't know the full story yet, but the truth is we might be able to manage the quality and costs by doing it that way. You know, so we, we don't have to choose from the Acer or the Asus or the Apple or anything else. We might be able to custom make some and maintain yeah. something in the South African environment just because the numbers will be big enough in the South African education system. Yeah. So what did Ramaphosa promise us? He promised us a tablet for every child, 2026. 2026. I mean, that's a full 10 years past where it was probably due. But okay, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, but like outside of that, there were other technological advances that he did, did speak about that are insane. Mm-hmm. Um, he spoke, he, I, at one point I actually thought he was just referencing my stories. And I used to <laughs> Uh, well, for all you know, I mean, for all you know, he, he, he just that morning picked up a copy at an airport lounge, for all you know. Because okay. he was talking about um, the SKA project, the Square Kilometre Array, right. the Meerkat antenna. This is probably antenna. South Africa's single biggest outstanding IT achievement ever. Yes, yeah. mm. yes. So, like, the, the biggest thing there is, and I mean, I went to the sites, I did the story, I interviewed a lot of people like, at the sites as well. Um, it is a landmark 
project for space exploration. Yeah, so it's, it's I mean, we've, we've seen extraordinary development on multiple yeah. fronts, supercomputing, many other things. But for those of you who don't know what the Square Kilometer Array project is, it's a whole bunch of radio telescopes, huge, huge dishes yeah. that point to outer space where they try and pick up incredibly, incredibly faint radio signals that help them decipher how the universe was formed. So this is the true meaning of life project, actually. Yeah. Mm. But the, 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 like, other things that like spin off of that, there's a whole ecosystem of innovations that happens around that, where the the most efficient, or at least the engineers on site, have become so good at building amazing yeah. weatherproof boxes. Uh, yeah, 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 because the, the climate is extraordinarily hostile. They're yeah. in the middle of a dry, arid, freezing cold, boiling hot desert. So like these, these massive engineering breakthroughs are happening there, and they're happening on our shores by our people, and a lot of them are like technicians, low-skilled workers, They've invented a sort of a, a, a pocket-sized, well, it's not a supercomputer, a pocket-sized computer called the Roach, yeah. which when you connect up in tandem becomes this massive supercomputing, you know, process. They're gathering petabytes of data at an alarming rate out there in the desert. They've got to find a way to store it. So they invented a robot arm that can swap hard drives in and out of the library, and it's extraordinary the stuff they've invented. Yeah, yeah. and this is all happening. So like, when people come and they still talk smack about our education system, yeah. yeah. I, I just nod my head and say, you know what, there's great things happening in this country. There's a lot of skills, future-facing things um, that are important for human development. And that is a neat segue to end the segment <laughs> and go straight into our how-to segment. Gavin, yes. everybody needs to learn how to code. Yes or no? Um, it's a treat. Well, now, as usual, I've got like a buzzkill answer. Everybody thinks that coding is the future. And the truth is, both my children, who are teenagers, now one of them's actually finished school already, are both doing a lot of coding. And there's this hoo-ha about how coding is the future, mainly because today the world cannot produce coders fast enough to be absorbed yes. into uh, business and industry and so on. The truth is, I think coding is going to be one of the skills that is going to be one of the first things that the machines learn to yes, do for themselves. Definitely. So we will create the machines that will create the code that will create the new machines. So I'm very concerned that we're in a little window of maybe five to eight years where humans coding will be a thing. And shortly after that, I, I was we listening, to, a, I was listening to another podcast and this woman, I forget her name right now, but she's like one of the forward thinking people mm. and all right. And she was like coding currently, like mm. our idea of coding where yeah. it's like you learn one language and you program a thing to do one little thing. Yeah. Um, program a machine to do one little instruction or whatever. Mm. It's like coal mining. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's also how we think that we control the machines because yeah. we think the machines can't operate without us telling them yeah. what to do. Yeah. Wrong. So, so I, I remember I remember in my younger days, not so much younger because I'm quite old and this didn't happen too long ago. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, where I used to like mod video games. So mm -hmm. there'd, there'd be like, you know, like a, a car racing game will come out yeah. and certain territories will get certain models. Uh -huh. um, like Europe will get like... Uh, you mean car models? Yeah, car models. Yeah. Like, a, like a special Ford Focus or something. Uh -huh. yeah. Then if you bought like the US version, okay. you didn't get that car. <laughs> so then you'd like go search on the internet for the little code, <laughs> and, and you'd go to the registry in the game, 
Okay, and that car. And the car, and the car would magically appear. Oh yeah. man, and okay. Like, even with, with you PC, hacker, you PC versions of modder, modder, please. Okay, modder. uh-huh. Don't, uh-huh. don't, don't lump me in with those people. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the, the, the biggest skill that I've picked up there, and something I've been trying to teach my daughter now, and I've been trying to seek out, like, these little scratch programs. Yeah, yeah. Can make cool stuff. Um, is just the logical thinking, just opening up that neural pathway to like know how computers work, yeah. how they think. Like for me, that is the most vital skill you can teach. Yeah, I mean, consider how many of us today are alienated from how our car functions. It's like the sealed unit. Whereas we all have relatives, uncles, fathers, grandfathers who could take the entire car apart and put the entire car back together. Yeah. Today, I look at the engine and I go, Okay, I guess the water's going in here. Is that the oil over there? Uh, yeah, it was just the hooter, or what is this? You know, and that's how many of us now view our cars, and we we're gonna end up as the digital version of that, where the um, the innards of how things work are gonna just be a mystery to us, and in that way we get alienated from you know how things work exactly. and how to push things forward. Yeah. So so there, there's a game I think it's a Samsung developer mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. Coco Adventures. Ooh. Yeah, um, it's available on iOS and on Android. Um, and it's just, it's like you have to get this crocodile, he lands on this island or series of islands, mm. and you have to get him across to like the different islands so you can explore. Okay. And you have to arrange the panels that he jumps on in a certain way, right. and then you get like a spring here, and like a, okay. a thing that they let him do, like two right. jumps. Right, so it's one of these weird machines like one you have to make eventually. One power yeah. where you can like summon a, 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 tur- a turtle. Yes. And then the sea turtle can only move like. So it's all like this is great. Building the logic Great. And, and in fact, I mean, my children who studied IT, that's pretty much what yeah. they studied was yeah. the logic actually. Writing code came much later, yeah. but understanding the logic of how things work. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing with reading. Like, reading is comprehended an important skill. Yeah. Because um, when you know how to do that, yes. you can do that in yeah. any language you can yes. learn. Yes, and you learn how to learn. Yeah. Yes, 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 quite. Okay, so I mean, programming languages, there's another question I get asked often. And Java really is the language that's in the ascendancy now. But Again, the fact is, it's kind of just second. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of expedient, you know, that Java has become this thing. There are much better languages, in my opinion, to learn. I've been brushing up my Python skills. Oh my goodness! Python, Python's used for a whole lot of things, including most AIs and cars all done on Python. And yeah, a but lot that's, of AI that's is done like, on Python. Like, like back-end sort of. Yeah, yeah, it's high-end. But, but Python is a great, simple language to use that's powerful yeah. enough to like, scale. Like Java yeah. is good yeah. because like Java was developed by Sun. Microsystems, yeah. which was bought by Oracle, Oracle back in 2002, I think. Probably 12 years ago, something like yeah, that. Yeah, at least, yeah, at least, yeah. Mm. yeah. So Sun Microsystems, they are also yeah. the godfathers. Yeah, they were like the corner cornerstone <laughs> of the internet. They developed yeah. the first internet servers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And and graphics machines and so yes, on. Yeah. Yes, yes. Digital movie making back in the day. Extremely powerful, very yeah, so they developed they, they developed Java because of the limitations of the then mainframe computers. Yes. So they could so there was a, a, a thing called time sharing mm-hmm. where you'd kind of jump on the same server yep. offline. Uh, yeah, like slices, then, yeah. Yeah, and then kind of schedule your little thing that you need out of the computer. Yes. Yeah. But then so they could serve they built Java so that you could serve an environment, a virtual environment, where an app will run in. So all they have to do is make sure that environment is compatible with various operating systems that it can possibly yes. connect to. Yes, it was so like a middleware layer. Yeah, yeah, so if you're making applications, you can just make applications for Java. Yeah. And then 
job will make it compatible yeah. with everything else. So then yeah. it was light enough to like go onto websites and mm. you could load it on pretty much anything. You could email mm. the Java environment and it did, I believe so. Yes, yes, yeah. pretty much. So, <laughs> so that's what made Java very versatile. Also, I mean, that's, that's, scale, why, that's why, especially with like the Internet of Things and all these, like the cloud. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was quick to build, quick to deploy, yes. reasonably powerful for that. I mean, it's not as powerful as a free school language, but you know. Anyway, the, the point is that just like learning English, Afrikaans, yeah. and then learning French, um, learning one language easily translates into learning others. Once yeah. you understand how programming languages work, yeah. Yeah, but the important thing is to understand how they work. Yes, absolutely. Different logic gates. Like yeah, like looking under the bonnet of the yeah. car, knowing what all the parts do, where the petrol is coming from, where it's going to. Same, yeah. same with programming. And then also uh, staying in touch with technological trends by listening to podcasts like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> and knowing that like cloud computing, broad-based cloud computing is actually dying out a little bit now. People are moving to this edge. Ooh, so... Okay, that's interesting. That's a subject for a whole podcast in itself. Okay, okay, fine. Cloud confusing on the wane, he says. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not on the wane, it's just being distributed now in a, in a broader fashion. So they're trying to move services closer to the user, and especially with um, limited distance data transmission like 5G yes, coming yes. in. It's better to have the processing bits being done kind of on your router. Locally. Yeah. Okay. Locally and then important data okay. just being pushed back here to the cloud. Right. Okay. That's kind of tricky because originally they were trying to do the processing on the cloud end, on the yeah. cloud server end, you know, AWS and all that. Okay, but again, this is definitely a subject for a whole lot of Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. programming at the moment, like if you want to learn code, rather learn the logic um, pathways yeah, of how, how computing works. And how, how programming code that's works that's in general. That's, that's a lot you can even learn that by building web pages and looking at the code of web pages. Yes, it teaches you quite yes, a lot. Yes, yeah. that, that's very, very useful. Okay, um, can't we just lighten up a little bit? Can we talk for a minute about the Samsung S10? Since uh, Herb Lindsay and I are off to the event next week. Next week, next, yeah, next on, week. on the twentieth. Yes, twentieth. Um, and I have not followed any of the rumor mill at all. It's just, I just get irritated by rumor mill. So um, tell me what we got. Now that we were talking about five G, Gavin. Yes, this is going to be the world's first Wi-Fi six phone. So remember, Wi-Fi used to be called like with these arbitrary um, letters. Yes. So yes. That's the standard. And then A B G N. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was N. So all of those have been renamed retroactively now. Yes. So AC, oh, which was the fastest that yeah, we have, currently, yes. yeah, is now size, and oh, now AX is now six. I was unaware of this. Gosh, I was making note. <laughs> Maybe you must write about this for me. Okay, right. Yeah. Mm, all right. Um, okay, so this will be the first to embrace the brand new Wi-Fi stack. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that is kind of. Of course, that's neither here nor there yeah. because it'll take you two years before you find a router that's running the yes, new Wi-Fi there, there standard. Are, there but there are okay. no current commercially available okay. like for that. Um, other things are obviously I it's going to be all screen. It's going to have that whole punch display. I heard there might be multiple models, one of which will be yes. a Foldy. Yes. Mm. So currently, there's the the 10e, which mm. is going to be the cheapest, smaller one. May 
I just reiterate this is all rumor at this stage, but it's strong. It's rumor. Let's call it strong rumor. This is okay. the actual conversation we should be having. Okay. It sounds like we've just given up at this okay, point. Okay, trying to we're conceal anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. We're, we're, they, they have a pre order um, yeah. for portion of the website. Right now, you can go there and they'll be like, we know you know <laughs> what's coming. And you can pre order now and get it on like the 8th of March. <laughs> pre order one of these fictitious models that we all know exist. Yeah, okay. All right, so tell us about the models. Um, yeah, it's the, the S10E, which is the, the smaller standard one. Okay. Um, but two cameras on the back, so it's a wide angle. Small is like it could be in the six inch kind of range. Uh, it's 5.8 inches. Oh, so the current that size is pretty small by today's standards. Yeah, okay. Then there's the 6.1 inch version, which is the S10. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's got three cameras on the back. Okay. Um, it's got the telephoto as well. Well, we don't know at this stage. Yeah, okay. We're going to just leave three cameras on the back. Um, and then there's the S10. Plus, Ooh. which has two cameras on the front and three cameras on the back. So outside of that, they're all running either the Qualcomm Snapdragon 865 in the US or the Exynos. Samsung Homebake Exynos 9820, and they all, which all have like built-in neural processing as well. Yes, yes, okay. okay. And I think so the base model comes with six gigs of RAM is the rumor now, right. and it goes all the way up to like, I think we're going to get our first 12. I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be a technological powerhouse. Yeah. It's going to feel fantastic. It's going to look fantastic. This is pretty much guaranteed. How much technological innovation we would see visibly on the phone? I wouldn't call one more camera lens. It's like extraordinary it's visual processing. Do you think though. we're going to get a full, a full screen, no notch, and a pinhole? Yes. For yes. those who don't know, you know, when they first went to these full screen phones, they had to put this notch at the top, a little black bar, just to put somewhere to put the sensors and the camera in. Yeah. Now, they think we're going to do away with the notch and the, the, the sensor and camera will be just one little pinhole in the screen at yes, the top. Yes, this so is definitely what we're going to get. This irritates me still further because nothing irritates me more than picking up a phone and there's no way to hold the phone without <laughs> setting off something. So if the whole phone is, is, is a screen, there's just no way to hold that your thumb is always touching something, setting something. So outside of that, obviously you will then notice that there's no space to put maybe the iris sensor that they used to have mm-hmm. or any way to unlock the phone switch on the right. front. So right. what they're doing on the S10e, allegedly, mm. is moving the fingerprint sensor into the power button on the side. Yes, an old Sony trick, that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other models, the more premium models, are getting ultrasonic fing- under-display fingerprint sensors. So ultrasonic, right? Because yes. that means there's not actually a sensor area; it's like a whole sensor region, really. I yeah, mean, the, but the, the there, area will be, be localized to, yeah. to one area. Yeah. The, the problem I had with was that the Mate, the Mate 20, 20 yeah. was that you you know you can put your finger on the screen, but you don't know where the spot is. Yes. So you kind of just randomly poke your thumb on the screen, and sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes you don't. So I always felt like the area needed to be bigger. So maybe this will grant that. Yeah, but the problem with ultrasonic is ultrasonic is very 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 susceptible to interference mm. so if you have like some grease on your oh. finger or like a little speck of dirt it's okay. gonna throw it off completely well, i mean i can't deny i've bought into the face recognition thing, mainly yes. because i'm using a 3000 rand phone it's a new brand on the model uh, on, uh, on the south african market called techno and i've actually had a great experience with this 3000 rand phone and its facial recognition is superb yes it's like it's fast and it's efficient and I mean, I captured my face in the worst possible light with the worst possible shadows, but it still continues to recognize me every single time. So I'm like, yay, impressed with this, you know? Yeah. So 
so, I mean, increasingly, I no longer do fingerprint unlocking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I still prefer fingerprint for speed, but yeah, the convenience mm. of looking up your phone and. Yeah, when it, when it works reliably, there's nothing as good as when it works reliably. Yeah, so I mean, those, those, mm. those are the current rumors. Um, pricing is supposed to start at like 13 grand. Okay, that's um, really going up all the way to like 25,000. Uh. I'm not sure about the folding phone yet yeah. because actually they outed one of the posters. Um, and the, so, so all the marketing up to this point has been like two edges kind of coming together. Uh. Um, but then on okay, the poster, it's just like the phone stands standing up from other phones oh, next to it. So okay. yeah, that graphic is repeated. It could be multiple models suggested. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, so I'm not sure about the folding phone. Mm. I'm not too stoked about folding phones. I think folding phones are still from yeah, ways Yeah, your first generation stuff uh, worries me. Yeah. yeah, but our next episode, we will probably have, we will, we'll bring you the hard facts. We will yeah, be we'll recording from the event. So yes. we'll have the skinny that will be on Thursday evening. Yes, we will put that up. On yeah, Thursday. so somewhere if you want to be the first with the news, somewhere around Thursday between 9 and 10, I'm guessing, yeah. we will have maybe the first piece of multimedia covering the new Samsung phone. Yes. I hope yes. you will join us then. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of it for now. Um, spoke a lot about things that I'm very passionate about. Yes, no, no, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> that podcast in which you just mouth off with your friends about what's cool won't work we think otherwise we think you're joining us on our little trip and we hope that you will actually give us more grist for our mill by emailing me yes at gavin.dudley at gmail.com and yourself sir um you can find me on social medias most active on twitter i am sharpshooters s-h-a-r-p-s-c-h-u-t-t-e-r-s um, and yeah, you can shout out to me there. You can swear at me sometimes if you want to. A lot of people do. And visit his website where you can get his collected works. Yes, that opinion guy.co.za. Cool. Over and out.